First, I just wanna um, just say right now, I taught Venus everything she knows. <laughs> that was really me singing up there. Amen, amen, amen. No, I do, I wanna thank Valencia. Is Valencia back? Amen. I wanna thank Valencia and Donita for that expression of love and commitment and relationship, amen. I do sincerely wanna thank Sister Elaine, is it? Did I, all right, look at me. Sister Elaine and Sister Venus for ushering in the spirit. The atmosphere has been set and I am humbled in his presence, I could not have expected that the, that the house would be set ablaze today the way that it has. And my soul is happy. I want to thank the Women's Day Committee for this invitation. Uh, it wasn't easy uh, for me to say yes. Um, and when I heard the theme, I was like, okay, Lord, here we go. <laughs> Amen, so I wanna thank you. And my tribute from my sister friend and my introduction, Josie is my chief armor bearer and sister for sure, and I thank you. Initially, I had um, great reservation about being here, uh, up here on this podium, and, and uh, my pastor said, you know what? <laughs> you just in conversation. There's nothing for you to be worried about, Tori. People know you. They know you probably gonna take off your shoes. It's all good, don't worry about it. And so here we are to share this journey, to, to share this time together. So following the scripture and the thing that's been laid before us today by the Women's Committee, uh, we will read in Romans 8, 28. I'll be reading from King James initially. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This message today I um, titled <clears throat> Disappearing Acts. Disappearing Acts. Father, right now, in your presence, I stand humbled. Lord, this is just an offering right now, Father, that I give to you. Lord, I ask right now that you just saturate this place, saturate my words, Father God. Lord, just increase my courage right now. 
Lord, I thank you for calming my nerves. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for just all the women that have come. Father, some have come over insurmountable circumstances to be here, Father, and I thank you in advance for what you're doing. I thank you for the revelation, Father, that came as I studied. Lord, I thank you in advance for just the, the breaking of chains, Lord, that bondage, Father God, is coming off, Father, and that your daughters and th that we're being set free today, Father. So right now, Lord, we just love you. We magnify your name right now, Lord, and we thank you in advance. Amen. So I'm just going to give you all a little glimpse into what God gave to me when this thing was presented. And I could not figure out why disappearing acts. I just was like, okay, this is not going to make sense, but okay, we're going to do what, you know. I'm just going. I'm just going to go with it. So we're just going to share a little bit. So maybe you aren't familiar with, excuse me, this book. This book is called Di Disappearing Acts. In the late to mid-80s, there was an author um, by the name of Terry McMillan. She had written this book. Now, she had written about two other literary pieces before she actually uh, published Disappearing Acts, but Disappearing Acts kind of put her on the map, okay? And when this book dropped, I was, um, I think, a senior at Ohio University. And back then, we did not have the benefits of technology like you guys do. You can screenshot and send somebody an excerpt from a book. You can snap it and all that stuff. We had to do it the old school way. We had to read. It's an old school concept, but stay with me. So as this book was circulating through the halls of OU, and when I say circulating, I mean we were poor students, college students. You, you got one book and the whole floor had to share. And we didn't have a problem with this because we were accustomed to sharing. We didn't have a whole lot. So anyway, this, this book really, is it's a love story, it's an urban love story, it's a fictional tale, it's about a woman who's a wannabe songwriter, wannabe teacher, uh, wannabe singer, and her sometimes employed, not quite divorced daddy of two. So it's, it's a story that is about their ups and their downs in this relationship. And when I read this many, many years ago, and I just started rereading books because, thank God, I'm about to get free. I ain't got kids in my house. So I'm starting to reread books to, because I always love books, and I always love that time that you have when you can just, you know, let, let yourself go. And so I started, you know, wondering, I'm like, Lord, why are you keep pushing me towards disappearing acts? What is this about? What is this about? In particular, this title grabbed me because of what I was personally going through with relationships. So much like the characters in this book, and I know y'all gonna go and pick it up and reread it, but the characters in this book, they are going through this relationship and they're battling, they're in a battle, okay? As they're going through it, they're losing their identity. 
They're not aware of the situation. They don't see the dysfunction. It is just coming up. It's looming up and it's taking over little by little by little until they just lose themselves. And in losing themselves, they are arguing over whose fault it is that they feel the way they do. And they continue and continue to battle and get into the throes of this power struggle of their identity. Now, I don't know if Terry uh, McMillan, when she wrote that, if that was her intended um, meaning for what she wanted these characters to go through. I really think she wanted to just kind of entertain folks and kind of, you know, go show the ups and downs. But what I walked away with was a loss of identity. I saw those people disappear. And then it started resonating with my spirit because I was going through a situation or situations where relationships were busting up and folks in relationships were disappearing. And I really and truly, I didn't understand it. I mean, I'm just going to be real with you. I really didn't get it. But as, as I began to work on preparing today's message, I just started thinking, God, what are you trying to show me? Why am I privy or witnessing so many broken relationships? And I'm not talking about I'm upset with you and you know, don't, don't text me today. I'm talking about true brokenness a series of breakdowns were staring me in my face from my cousins to their children to folks I work with to folks Rodney worked with. I mean, it was everywhere. It was just everywhere and it was driving me crazy and you know, and I had to stop and I had to say to myself, what am I looking at? I mean, I what am I seeing before me. So I started an inventory. I was in a position probably in the last four or five years to kind of see the beginning and the end of some of these relationships and where the separation started to come. Now for me, as you know, I dance and I teach. And so I'm always gonna look for, okay, now what, what, what is this? There's gotta be a reason, there's gotta be a reason. Catastrophic instances are happening. And, I, and we've all done this. You know, we look at the scripture and we say, well, all things work for the good. All things work for good. And we soft toss this line as though it can cover everything from the most trivial of issues to the most monumental. All things work for good. Oh well, I can take a playoff. I don't have to do anything because all things work for good. I gotta tell you, 
I'm one of those who tossed that line out to the masses to cover everything. It's not a cure-all, it's not a band-aid, and it's not a standalone statement in the scripture. I have not read the beginning nor the end, and sometimes we just toss it out there. So I wanted to spend some time to just share with you guys and just, just let you know I've been in that position. I've used that line to justify what I want to do. If I didn't want to call somebody back or if a situation was going wrong, I'm like, well, all things work for good. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> it's going to work. It's only going to work if you work. You got to work. Yes, you do. When things are difficult and situations arise that are not our plan, sometimes it's easier just to check out, simply disappear from the whole thing, and then reappear when the smoke clears. Somebody else did your shift of work. It didn't go away. Somebody else picked it up. And they had to do the work. When you're in the press, you don't realize that. It's liberating to just say, oh, things work for good. You can just skip along. But when you're in the press, when you're witnessing the brokenness, and you don't know what you're looking at, you don't know where to turn, and you seriously do not understand the situation. And I looked at these situations and these relationships, and I said to myself, am I the only one upset that Satan is robbing households? I don't understand how everybody is walking around, oh, things work for good, and I'm all upset because folks are broken and staying in their broken. Now, I'm not talking about just folk. I'm talking about us. Us. Us who believe. We're seeing brokenness, and we're walking by it. And if we don't walk by it, then we just toss. All things works for good. And we keep moving. So when I started reading, and I started thinking about some of these situations and how things occur, one thing that I kind of picked out, I noticed that in relationship, there, the breakdown kind of started with how we talk to each other. My ear started picking up on so much recklessness with our mouths. We say just about anything to anybody at any time for any reason, and sometimes we repeat it. And then we sit down and we, we text it and we have the nerve to hit sin. It goes out into the masses 
where you just think it hit that one person because you had a really good point, you wanted to get them told and you let them know. What you don't know is it got screenshot and it got sent to Terry. Terry was outraged by it. She called Lynette and was like, do you see that? Lynette's like, it's unbelievable. I don't know what I'm looking at. Kim, could you take a look at that? Is this what I think it is? And that's exactly what happened. Before you know it, you have peppered and sent out a seed that is sowing destruction to our people. I have over my um, door at, at, my, at my place of work, I have this sign. It's a quote. So because really what I want to do is I want to remind folks when you come in, you know, I don't mind helping you, but I need to do your work first, right? So I don't want anyone to just bring things to me and just plop it at my feet. I don't, I really don't. I want you to, we're, we're partnering, we're together, we're partnering. So I have this acronym at my door and it's THINK. Before you come in and you talk to me, do this. Ask yourself, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? If what you are about to lay at my feet does not meet any of those fundamentals, I want you to back up and regroup. I'm still going to help you, but I want you to think. What you're about to say, is it true? Do you need to get it out? Is it going to be helpful? to you, to somebody else, to one of the clients that I serve, to your coworkers, to my supervisor, to the mission and value of the agency, to your sisters and brothers in the pews next to you? Is it gonna be helpful? Is it inspiring? We don't take enough time to really line up what we wanna say and what we wanna do and what we wanna get out and say it in a way that's inspiring. I can ask you to do anything, but if I can't ask it in a way that inspires you to want to do it, then I'm defeating myself. That's the whole reason why I came to you. Why just put up that blockade? Is it necessary? You ever get bits and pieces of a story and it's all, it's this, and, 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 and. it's all over here and you're like, well, I didn't really need to know why your shoe ended up at Kroger's. I just, you know, I'm trying to help feed you because you said you were hungry. And I guess because I, you said hungry, I went to Kroger's and then your shoe came, I don't know. I mean, help me. Is it necessary? And is it kind? We're living in an in a age right now where folks really relish on the gotcha. I told them, I got them together. Let me slow down, let me get you together. Let me stop you right where you are. Let me get you together. Everybody wanna one up somebody, except on kindness. Now, 
bringing your words together and thinking through it and thinking, is this the most kind thing I could say? I'm going to own it right now. We have a suggestion box at work, and we had this training. And it, I mean, it was awful, y'all. I mean, really, it was, it was just awful. The content was awful. The, the room was too hot. It, I mean, everything was bad. I mean, you say it, it was awful. And I was not in my best Tory moment. I just wasn't. I wasn't having a good time. I wasn't having a good day. I wasn't. So, of course, there, you know, if there's anything we could do to improve, I, now I'm writing, because did you ask me? Because I done wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, got my neighbor's paper. I was like, you ain't using the back of that, are you? I done wrote, and I put it in the suggestion box. I got to my office, and I did a spin, and I had to go back and ask humbly, could you please unlock? the suggestion box. Well, no, you, you, you can put things in. You really can't take things out. I said, I really need to take this out. I am so sorry. I will never ask to do this again, but I do need to take this out. I had to check myself. That wasn't a suggestion. That was an opinion. And it was an opinion with a critical heart. And sometimes when we go to each other and we want to say we're working together, we got to be honest with where we are. Some of us want to work and be on committees, but you don't really want to work together. You really want to get people together. You really want to tell them about themselves. You really want to come and you have a critical heart. You have an agenda. You have a judgmental spirit. And so you want to be somewhere where you can get that out. And so what you do is you take that opportunity that you say, God led me there and all things work for good. And you just say whatever. That's not how that works. That is not how that works. So I looked in several versions of, of the Bible in Romans 8.28. I looked at the Amplified. I looked at the Message. I looked in King James. And I got to the NIV, and the NIV spelled out the clearest picture for me and my walk fitting with this thing. This really, really helped me. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. He appointed them to be saved in keeping with his purpose. Once I arranged the words, it got real clear how he was dealing with me. This is God in all things. And I had to remember my place. Because what happens is, we get so busy doing, we forget the purpose. And we just move on, like, ah, oh, he's going to bless it. All things work. Keep it moving. This really helps me to remember who's working the plan, who the plan is for, and what is for. 
So I walked away with four main points of this scripture. It really resonated with my spirit. And if you allow me, I'm just going to break them down as they were given to me. The first part of this scripture starts, and we know. Stop. That's a declaration. And we know is a confident statement. It's not an opinion. There's no conjecture. There's no confusion. It's a matter of fact. Paul states it firmly to the Romans because he wanted to, to just show that this is just what believers do. It's a well-known fact. And we know. I find it striking that Paul was so bold and that his words were so accurate and clear. What I took away from that, besides the declaration, this tells me that I'm going to require a backbone. There's going to be some boldness required to walk this out. So that soft toss of all things work for good got a little louder. There's some boldness that came with that. The second part of that scripture, completeness. I see a picture of completeness in all things. When I think of in all, it's everything. It's everything. Where's, where's, my, where's my, there it is, right there. I'm not kidding you guys, this is what came up. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm reading, I'm working, and up comes a picture of all. And I hadn't noticed this, maybe because now I'm of a certain age. I'm sure the commercial has been played over and over, but you might not be able to see it, but on, I circled the stain lifter. I was like, you better work, God. in the audience, Mr. Gray, is he, is he gone? Because I wanted to ask him, did, did P&G manufacture all? The, it doesn't. Don't buy that, y'all. Don't buy all. Get that down. All means everything. Webster's definition of all is the entirety of a thing or the totality of a unit. All means all. All covers temporal, spiritual, natural, supernatural, temporary, and permanent. All means everything. Think about it for a minute, y'all. That means your greatest concerns, all. Crazy kids, all. Misunderstood supervisors, all. Bills up to your eyelids, all. Church activity gone stray. All. All things are covered. Situations upside down, right side up. All. Jesus is the stain lifter. You know he's in control of all. And now, having that, that declaration and knowing that 
that he's in control, it encouraged me even more. I mean, you know it, but when you really dig deep and you really think about it, like Dorothy was overwhelmed. It comes over you. Oh, I can lift up whatever issue is in front of me because of the promise. My third point, the condition of the promise. Oh, there's a condition. Who does the promise apply to? Those who are believers. Y'all believe that? And love God. I looked in many, many versions of the Bible. I mean, I'm going through it. I even went to my kitty Bible that Joshua and Isaiah used to have, a King James, New King James message, Amplified, you name it. I went through every single version because I wanted to find the version that said that the condition is only when God is doing what makes sense to me. And I couldn't find it. Now, y'all might have it. I don't know. When people are acting right. I didn't see it. I was looking for it. And it's not there. So I start thinking, okay, well, it's for those who love God. What about those that fall out and say they don't love God? Or right now, I'm just not really hearing from God right now. So, I, you know, I'm just going, you know, I'm going I'm to set myself down. I'm going to set myself down. We don't know no people like that, right? But okay, let's just say right now, you just, you just feel this disconnection and you say, well, I'm not saying I don't love God. I'm just saying for right now, I just, I just got to do me. Yeah. So you feel released from the promise. That's what you say. Okay, okay. So let's say that's you. You feel released from the promise. Do you have free reign to do whatever and say whatever and treat however those that are believers and still trying to walk out the promise and see it for themselves? You're not released. Folk don't have the right to walk all over you. You know why? Because Psalms 81 and 14 tells me he will subdue your enemies. He'll turn his hand against your foes. You don't have to do it. You do not have to say a word. You don't have to lift a hand. When things get out of control and they're just spiraling and spiraling, you don't have to Olivia Pope the situation. Just let it go. Gladiator, put down your white hat. He's got it. He's got it. He don't need no fixing. The word don't need no fixing. Is there. The promise is already there. You just have to be in position. You have to be willing to work and willing to walk it out. Fourth and final point. Now, y'all, at this point, go ahead and put your shoes back on because I know some of y'all took them off and you're going to make your dinner reserva reservations. I promise you, mothers, you're going to get out. Fourth and final point. Purpose of the promise. When you go through you are to pray, love God, want his will, and all things work for good. Be assured and know 
that God is in the plan over your situation no matter. His completeness covers all the condition, the cause, the outcome, all the partners that are involved in the situation. That's us. My purpose in life is that I'm never the main character in a chapter of your book of disappearing acts. I'm going to show up. I'm going to pray for you. And when I don't know what to pray for, I'm going to go to Romans. I'm going to go back through, and I'm going to start at 26 because the Lord tells us how to pray. I'm going to pray accurately for the situation. I'm going to pray that the outcome, that you are able to see the outcome. And if you don't see the outcome, know that it's covered because all is already handled. I remember a time Josie and I were praying over a situation and, and that she had. It was, a, it was a sickness. And the individual we were plan, praying for just kept getting sicker and sicker. And we didn't, you know, we we're just praying. And, okay, we would come together and we would pray again. And then she came to me, and I knew she was weak because she had been travailing and travailing. And she was just really, really, really tired and going in. And she came and she said, and it's, it's a cancer. And there was a groaning, except I said, good, now I can call it out because I'm accurate about my prayer. Tell me what it is so we can pray a specific prayer over that thing. Not the saying that a general prayer just doesn't reach. All of it reaches the Lord. But if you come to me and you want me on my knees for you. I want to know what I'm calling out. Because I'm going to call it out. Oh, I'm certainly going to call it out. And then I'm going to work with you. I'm going to walk with you. We're going to study together. We're going to get sweaty together. And if you're not ready for that, I need you to step back. And I need you to think. I know that the situation is temporary. I know it in my spirit is temporary. But I got to get you to touch and agree with me that there's a present suffering that's now, but there's a glory. It's already in the promise. We, he gave it to us when we got this word. So we don't have to take anything lying down. I mean that sincerely. You don't have to take a broken relationship lying down. Why should you? You don't have to take your worries and concern laying down. Lift it up. Get with somebody else that can lift it up with you. Sometimes there's heavy lifting involved along the way. You're going to have to sweat. You're definitely going to have to sweat. If you're rolling with me, you sweating. You sweating. Because that's how we do it. If you got a situation, Reverend Graham, you know I'm going in on your behalf. You know I'm going in. And when I call you out and say, now one of us is not praying. <laughs> What's going on? Let's step back. Because I want to be there. I want to show up. I don't want you all to say, you know, where does she go? You know why? 
Because Satan already has a starring cast position for you in his production of Disappearing Acts. It could be so easy for you to check out. It really can. I pray that if we are in relationship, that we hold fast to the promise to show up, be an intimate and committed partner in this walk with one another. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be full of some dark days. There's going to be some good times too. But as, as a part of our full commitment to seeing all things work together for good, don't give up on each other. Just don't give up on each other. So when I was reading the title over uh, the scriptures uh, in uh, the Bible, said future glory, future, I'm sorry, present suffering, future glory. And not all Bibles have this title, so, you know, don't think I just picked up one in the dollar store. Everybody doesn't have that version. But I got happy because what I was going through was not going to be the end. There's a victory tomorrow. There might be suffering today. Things might not go, be going your way today. But your right now isn't your always. There's a future. And the future is victorious. So what I presented these slides of women working together, I honestly believe this is the picture that God wants for us women. He wants us to pray together. He wants us to work together. He wants us to travail together. And when a woman of God steps in to help you, don't check out. That's not your time to pull a disappearing act. That's your time to dig in. Show up. Dig deeper. Press harder. Pray longer. And my, my closing thought today is, I just want to let you guys know a little piece of me. Josie said it best. We have these young men. They're no longer boys. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I have in my heart a true ministry for young ladies. And I truly pour out for young ladies. And some of you know, um, you know, Kim, Kim knows I, I've, I've adopted Carly. You know, I will take your baby in, not to take over your position. If I take your child in, it's not for you to disappear. I'm not trying to take over. I'm trying to give you a break so that you can breathe and you can think and you can strategize and you can speak back to Satan because Satan is telling you that this child is crazy and that they're, they don't need to be coddled and saved and nobody needs to say a, a kind word to them. You don't need to believe that. That's a lie. If I step in, it's to give you an opportunity for you to get closer to the Lord so that you can take on your child and wrap them up and scoop them up. Scoop them up. I'm here. I'm available. And Satan will never put me in disappearing acts. Thank you.